getting started on a roadmap towards the ASU um, black belt exam is amazing. So it's this idea of making sure that your why and in your vision of the future and it really impacts you in, in the right way. It's not, it's not a, I should do this or I could do this. It's I want. And I really see that this is, you know, truly um, something that I'm passionate about. Cause I think that's the root of being successful at anything is that the why behind it really links with who you are and what your future self looks like. Welcome to the Improvement Nerds Podcast, where we host conversations about the things that nerd us out with one goal in mind, sharing best practices and sharing techniques and tools that allow us to make lasting change. In each episode, we'll feature a different idea and hopefully through that episode, give you a set of new tools, new skills, and new thinking that'll allow you to change how you do your work, how you lead others, and how you show up in your life. We're so excited that you've chosen to nerd out with us. We hope that these episodes are exactly the things that you need to hear in order to get started in making the improvements that you want to see happen in the world. If these episodes speak to you, please subscribe to our podcast, like what we're doing, and leave a comment. I, I think, too, t- passing the exam, I took a huge jump in my confidence after passing the exam. Such a key facilitative role within any organization. And, and, and just like I could convince any person that they need occupational therapy, I could convince any organization that they need a black belt. How do you know change will be an improvement? And I think that's the core value that a black belt can bring is, is making sure the organization can answer that question. And I also think for the black belt, the role to always bring the customer voice back helps ground people, helps them unite onto how to make decisions going forward and how to set goals and targets. Every now and then they need someone to challenge them to say, is this still what the customer expects? Margaret Mead said it best when she shared that one should never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, that it was the only thing that ever had. I couldn't agree more. Let's get busy and prove it, nerds. We've got a lot of work to do. Hey, Improvement Nerds, this is Tom. We're doing a bonus episode. We're going to be talking about a super nerdy topic. And whenever I think of the nerdiest of nerds, the first person who comes to mind is my my great friend and partner in crime, LP. So <laughs> hello. Hey there. So thanks for joining me today. Uh, for yeah. those who don't know you, let's get a quick introduction in. Sure. So I'm Laura McMichael and uh, everyone calls me LP for short. I am a certified Six Sigma Black Belt, a PMP, um, an occupational therapist and an improv comedy enthusiast. So I enjoy working um, in lots of different industries, but healthcare is my background mostly. And um, Tom, we've known each other like seven years now. And I learn something new from you all the time. So I'm always glad to chat and get together. And I think our two nerdy brains together uh, make one really cool brain. Yes. <laughs> Super pumped up because um, I think I've seen a lot of individuals during COVID-19 be focusing on their professional development and studying to become 
you know, certified in whatever expertise that they've always been passionate about, but never really had the flexibility or the time to do the study in or the prep necessary to be prepared to, to take an exam. So a lot of individuals, you know, had excuses of my work was too demanding or I'm spending too much time on the road. And now there's somewhat of a bright spot with what is happening in our nation is we've been forced to, to slow down. And I think individuals who are taking this opportunity of things slowing down to really focus on how do they equip themselves with the skills and tools they need to, as we come out of this, we can begin to improve and define our uh, new realities and try to, you know, use everything we've learned along the way to create a better tomorrow. So um, are you seeing that too? You know, I have been very much um, stuck in toddler world during COVID. (laughs) So I've seen it in myself, though, from this idea of this downtime to really evaluate what I'm passionate about and what I need to work on. And um, just recently re-engaged a health coach to start doing, you know, self um, goal setting around that. And I think the activity that links with what we're going to talk about today is really the in-depth reflection of soul searching of what do you see yourself look like a year from now and in your career, if that means you see yourself advancing in the improvement sciences, I think, you know, getting started on a roadmap towards the ASQ, um, black belt exam is amazing. So it's this idea of making sure that your why and in your vision of the future and it really impacts you in, in the right way. It's not, it's not a, I should do this or I could do this. It's I want. And I really see that this is, you know, truly um, something that I'm passionate about. Cause I think that's the root of being successful at anything is that the why behind it really links with who you are and what your future self looks like. That I couldn't have said it any better, and I'm glad that you're taking that time to reflect. And I think uh, a lot of individuals who are doing that same thing, if if they went through that analysis and they're saying, "Hey, I've always wanted this. I've always been passionate about it, and now I've got the opportunity to go get it," I'm still a little nervous. Hey, like who who is right. undertaking becoming an ASQ certified black belt? But one of the things that helped me and I know helped you was surrounding yourself with individuals who shared that passion and that excitement and were working together, not just to study and prepare, but to motivate each other. Yes, absolutely. I think people that I admired, um, like you, like Mark Hightoff and Travis Lozier and people in the organization that we worked with that had such a strong skill set in this area. And I saw how that really helped guide teams towards improvement. And when you're all inspired by the facilitator and their knowledge, that just makes the process not only successful, but fun along the way. And I've learned during COVID as well that I'm an Enneagram 7. Shout out Rachel Pritz. (laughs) Um, And, you know, doing new things and providing fun within the process is is important to me. So I think I I saw how much fun you have when you facilitate a team and you're actually really enjoying 
the process and in, in bringing your knowledge and your skill set um, to inspire others. So I think that's also something that made me passionate about becoming a black belt was when I'm a black belt, I can then train other people in the improvement sciences. So I actually go back to the University of Indianapolis twice a year and teach a yellow belt course to um, occupational therapy doctoral students. And I teach them about you know, the types of waste and, you know, help them learn about process mapping. And it aligns so well with how they're thinking and hopefully inspires them to use um, an improvement approach um, as they get out into the workforce. That's a big part of becoming a belt. I have on the YouTube channel, the story of the seed, the seedling and how the belt certification programs align with the martial arts growth curve of white belt to yellow belt, green to brown to to black, so on and so forth. And that it's the story of a seed. The white is kind of um, unmarked and naive and ready to learn. Um, And then as that seed is planted, the next level is the yellow belt, which is the sun, which is giving them the new life and new thinking. That new life, that new thinking creates the initial sprouting and that's the green and then there's the maturing and the hardening is the brown. So it's a really nerdy story, but mm-hmm. as this thing plays out, it's a life cycle of growing and maturing by investing in yourself so that you're able to invest in others. Mm-hmm. And it's this cycle of teaching and encouraging and mentoring others so that they can grow in their own understanding so that they can go out and help others too. It's, it's pretty cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I wanted to take a chance through this episode and put it out there that if anyone listening to this is curious about it and motivated to go and start to become a black belt, we want to be your biggest cheerleaders and your champion and try to encourage you um, along the way because you and I both studied. We know it's arduous, it's hard work, and there's going to be times where you ask yourself, why why am I going through this? Yes. I don't think I would have been able to go through the process of studying and preparing, you know, via practice tests and all of the work that goes into getting ready from a content perspective without the support of, you know, a study group that we formed and a mentor that I met with regularly. I think the accountability is helpful for me because I'm a bit of a procrastinator, (laughs) but also just Talking things out helps me figure out things better. I I can read something and I am also a person I have to write and copy and see it, but also talking through it and maybe applying it with an example is another good way for, you know, where I was able to remember it. So certain projects that I was maybe working on at the time or projects that my mentor could, or somebody else in the group could give an example of, you know, oh, well, we could have used a paired T-test with this because we had the same population pre and post or whatever. And it put it really put some context around the statistical side of it, which I'll be honest is not my strong suit. And I'm sure that that's something that might scare off some people. Um, from the content, I do want to just throw out there that the exam is open book. So having the self-awareness to know where your strong areas are and where your gaps are and being able to access that 
resource for, for your gap areas was important. I mean, my statistics area was marked up very clearly. <laughs> so I knew, oh man, when, when ANOVA comes up, I need to know where to go to refresh myself. So understanding the concepts is really important. Also finding your resources during the exam is really important, but also figuring out how to make the information retainable. And to me, that was story. And to me, that was application and example. And that helped me remember, you know, certain types of tests and how those could be used. Being part of a a study group or working with a mentor or a coach helps you kind of ask yourself those questions of how do I like to learn? What is the best strategy for me when it comes to feeling prepared to this exam? There could be, you know, the most knowledgeable person in the world in regards to the body of knowledge, but if they have high test anxiety and they weren't working with a coach to come up with a strategy to manage that test anxiety, but they knew all the knowledge they'd struggled on the exam because they were having cloudiness or stress that maybe could have been mitigated had, you know, they just developed a specific plan to deal with that part of the test taking experience. So Mm -hmm. I think everything you were saying, thanks for sharing with us how you approached the exam and being prepared. And I think working with a group of people that are diverse and have different ways of looking at things is a great way. And also working with coaches and mentors to, you know, seek clarity on what's going to work for you and just having someone ask those questions so that you can self-assess and say, yeah, that, that pretty accurate. And I think if I, now that I have awareness of that, I can be focusing on that as part of my prep. Well, look, looking back, Tom, what would you have done differently? as you prepared for it? You know, I, it was a while ago, uh, probably nine years. I had just come out of my MBA and into the organization working in a new industry. So healthcare was new to me. I think learning healthcare processes was the most learning I needed to do in regards to the the body of knowledge when it came to analytics, um, because I had a degree in finance, a lot of the numbers made sense to me, but none of the culture Mm. did. So I struggled oddly enough on the culture and leadership questions because I didn't have formal leadership experience and I had never really worked in a big organization that was complex and had not just one culture, but multiple cultures in some ways. So I would have given myself a longer timeline to prepare and to experience those parts of the body and knowledge. But because I knew like, Hey, um, those things I can just kind of wing in on the exam. I could just look them up. So I knew where the answer was, but I didn't really understand why it was the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I would have probably given myself a year to maybe two years of working in healthcare before I took the exam, but I kind of went and forged ahead because I was in test taking mode already. I had just mm-hmm. finished graduate school. So it was weighing my um, risk of getting out of test taking mode and study habits to allow myself to get real world experience. What about you? Has you embarked on your journey? Talk to us a little bit about what motivated you to do it and maybe something that you would have done different. Well, I think like you, I was kind of in test taking mode. I had just finished my MBA. I had just gotten my PMP all of those things requiring a lot of discipline and study and test. Um, I've never been one for to have test anxiety. I think the one thing that made the black belt a little bit more anxiety inducing was the cost. And although I didn't know at the time, you know, it, it isn't a horrible, like, you know, 
cost, but most of the other tests I've ever taken, you know, weren't as much as this one, or maybe the organization reimbursed for it. So at the time it was all out of pocket. And I just thought to myself, oh my gosh, like I have to pass this because I don't want to have to spend another, you know, 500 bucks to take it again. (laughs) And I don't want to have to do this all again. Um, So I think I added a little bit of pressure to myself just from um, the financial aspect or the financial investment of it. And I think I was kind of the opposite of you that I, you know, being an occupational therapist, I'm used to having to explain to people what I do for a living because no one knows what occupational therapists do, (laughs) or at least fully. And so I've always had a career where I've had to explain the value to someone. So I feel like I got a lot of practice explaining the value of a black belt to team facilitation, to individual learner development, to an organization in terms of executing on their most strategic improvement opportunities and walking people through and answering the question, how do you know change will be an improvement? And I think that's the core value that a black belt can bring is is making sure the organization can answer that question. So I felt really good about the theoretical importance of a black belt, which I think is very like an occupational therapist for process at at, you know, at an organizational level versus an individual patient. So I feel like I felt pretty good about all that side of things. And it was more the technical skills that I was nervous about the statistics and, um, you know, the learning platforms of using statistical software. That was probably the biggest challenge, uh, for me to, to get practice with the tools. You were very cultural savvy. Um, what individuals would classify as the soft side of being a belt. You uh, were able to work in teams and you were able to influence without authority. You were able to lead and give direction and to clarify. You had that leadership side of the equation, which are the important human skills of becoming a black belt and your technical side of the numbers and the software the tools, those things, you were getting ready to embark on that journey to become an expert in that. Whereas I had the technical side, but none of the people side. So I think for individuals, just realize you don't have to have both. Becoming a belt is a milestone that indicates your commitment to continuously learning to become an expert in improvement. It doesn't certify that you've arrived. It really certifies that you're getting started. I I think too, t- passing the exam, I took a huge jump in my confidence after passing the exam because I would hear about tools and get introduced to them through mentorship or through experience working on projects. And maybe I wouldn't hear about a tool, you know, once every six months or once a year. And, and you you only, if you only use it once in a great while, you don't necessarily feel confident using it. You don't necessarily remember that it exists all the time. So when you're really, you know, forehead deep in this content, getting, you know, studying for the exam, all those tools are just like at the tip of your fingers, at the tip of your mind at any moment. And you will find yourself reaching into that tool bag while you're studying and using those tools and getting practice with them. Cause, Oh, wow. I forgot about that tool. Oh yeah. Like I can use that in this situation. So if you're currently working and studying, you can really apply new things right away to help you get ready for the exam. 
I also think once the exam is over, it just really gives you some credibility in the marketplace that you are familiar with the content, you can speak to the role of a black belt for an organization, the value that it brings, which I'm excited to, you know, to, to learn more about what the current state and the environment is you know, among local leaders for hiring black belts. Because to me, the black belt is such a key facilitative role within any organization. And, and, and just like I could convince any person that they need occupational therapy, I could convince any organization that they need a black belt. <laughs> uh, oh, there is overlap of what those two roles are responsible for doing, whether in occupational therapy, working towards the patient and helping that patient problem solve and set goals and, you know, um, identify what their meaningful occupations are and working towards those things. In some ways, a black belt asks those same kind of questions of an organization. Yes. Identity, what is meaningful to you? How do we set measurable goals? What are preventing you from meeting those goals? And how do we problem solve along the way and learn as we go to get you to where you want to be? I mean, in some ways, they're but if you boil it down, they're both using the scientific method of helping to assess the current state and make decisions about what are the, what are the appropriate next steps. Take those steps and then ask that next question of, okay, we took that step. What did we learn? Was that step in the right direction? You know, was change an improvement, or is there was it enough improvement, or is more improvement needed? So it's it's very iterative and continuous, and it's a journey. And I think with your background working in patient care, you saw that it was definitely for those patients, a journey as well. And along the way to keep that journey going and to keep it exciting is to one, set it, set them up for success and scale the change. So they're not trying to grow by leaps and bounds, but they're growing incrementally and gathering those quick wins to get this momentum going so that they can yeah. do more complex and sophisticated change down the road and, and build on that success. It's all momentum building. Right. And I, and I also think for the black belt, the role to always bring the customer voice back helps ground people, helps them unite onto how to make decisions going forward and how to set goals and targets. I think sometimes people in operations or in organizations, they are so used to measuring their performance against certain metrics or certain, you know, KPIs that every now and then they need someone to challenge them to say, is this still what the customer expects? Do we even know? And I think that was different, you know, when I would work with teams to say, do we even know what the customer expects? Where did this performance metric come from? Is it important anymore? Is it, you know, are we just collecting data to collect data? You know, let's make sure that what we're measuring actually impacts, you know, processes. Like we're going to actually change what we do based on what we measure and what the customer says they expect. So let's make it meaningful from the beginning. And people, you might have a great idea in yourself as a belt, but you got to keep it to yourself to some extent. Your team will either get there because you facilitate them really well and that you give them clear information and next steps to figure it out for themselves, or they're going to choose something that they're really passionate about. And, you know, it might not be what you thought they would do, but if they're rallying behind it, it's a much better solution or next step than something that you thought was just, you know, brilliant based on your regression analysis. 
it's this translation between um, multiple layers of a very complex issue, whether the, you know leadership has a formed opinion about what needs to happen and data says something else needs to happen, but then you go to the Gemba and you do the mapping and you have collect voice of the customer and you include all these different perspectives, you know, typically a team is going to, you know, innovate because not one layer of the organization sees all those things, but it's the black belt who brings all those different viewpoints to the table and says, here's the best information we have as of right now. How do we take this information and use it as inspiration for what we need to change today, but also tomorrow and going forward. It's laying that foundation of continuous improvement. Let's do something now with high confidence that we know this is going to, you know, get us closer to our result. But it's that perspective building and that systems thinking that's, I think, another part that makes belts important is they don't ever rely on a sample size of one. They try to get as much input as possible and paint a bigger picture so that as the team goes forward, they're looking up and trying to see how everything works together and they're trying to do systems thinking. And I think as a result of that, it improves outcomes, but it improves collaboration and improves empathy for your customer. It improves empathy for the next operator because now you understand what they're doing. Mm -hmm. It improves communication between leaders and the operators it improve. It just, aside from an improvement event like the project doing improvement, it improves so much beyond just the, that project. It improves culture, and it spills over in a lot of ways. Some of my favorite events or improvement um, teams have been people that, wow, I've I've never met you, but I've exchanged emails with you. It's so cool to hear what happens, or I never knew that's how it happened. You know, nurse goes down to the pharmacy to really see what happens when an order comes through or vice versa. This idea of, you know, I just assumed something happened on your end and I didn't realize what I did and how that affected your process. And, you know, I'm going to actually be much better about my end of the process now that there's no, you know, way to necessarily calculate the value that that brings. But, that person then goes and advocates with their peers, like, hey, did you know that when we do this process, this person down the line has to clean it up? And I think there's so much that, you know, maybe you can calculate it, maybe you can't, but there's so much value in bringing people together with the help of a facilitator, Black Belt, to make improvements. And something that I also heard you say was paint the picture. And I think that's another skill that black belts have to keep in mind is how to create visual tools. So not just documenting the results of, you know, your project on an A3 when it's done. Um, and an A3 is just the size of the paper at the time that Toyota was doing all this. It was the biggest size that would go through a fax machine. So A3 is not a fancy term other than just telling your story on one sheet of paper from, you know, what is your problem to what did you do and how are you going to sustain it? It's the idea of creating visuals throughout the process. Let's define our problem in a visual way. Let's define our process in a visual way. Let's understand what we're measuring and what the customer expects in a visual way. Maybe that's a control chart. Um, let's make sure we implement this improvement and can see the result in a visual way, even if that's tick marks on a board or a dot on a line graph You know that we do 
tracking defects every day, really showing for people to react to it and see it with their eyes and see improvement, see that dot going up or that dot going down or being able to watch, Hey, here's the point in time we instituted the change that you guys came up with. And here's the difference it's making for patients or customers. And that's a skill that I think people take for granted, but is so important for a black belt to contribute to the work is, is the visualization of all these different parts of the process. I don't, I don't have much to add to that. I I was sitting here just nodding along, enjoying everything you were saying. Uh, thanks for sharing that perspective. There, there's so many things that make a black belt special. And I think in this conversation, you know, we've, we've gone deep and we've got really nerdy. So I'm going to try to summarize you know, a few things we talked about and you kind of help fill in the gaps. And there's one thing still on the table that I will, I want to end with, but I want to try to get us a, a little recap here. So when we talked about, you know, becoming a black belt, we said, make sure it's something you're passionate about and it's aligned with your values and it's going to help you go to where you see yourself being in your career. Um, and that really to be successful in it, you just have to be committed to continuously learning. So a big, big part of starting the journey is that commitment that this is aligned with my why. And because of that, I'm going to be gritty about it. I'm going to work hard to succeed. But after I pass the test, I realized that I've really just started. And yes, it's given me a boost in confidence and it's given me credibility. And oftentimes individuals who do pass others equity as well. So you're more employable either within your current employer or um, you're in demand with other um, organizations as well. So ASQ every year um, does an annual salary survey and what they had seen last uh, year, 2019, that individuals who were certified at any level through ASQ on average, they made about $16,000 more their peers who were doing similar work and were not certified. So add that to this equation, there is also equity um, in, in, in this tech can also serve as motivation. So I think when we talk about that, um, you know, why people want to do it, just everyone get centered on your why, because it's, it's a critical touchstone as you go forward. So thanks for sharing that, that part. So as you prepare um, surround yourself with individuals, mentors, and coaches that inspire you and compliment and challenge your learning style, that they can ask you questions that allow you to really evaluate what works best for you. And then um, as you take the test and, and pass the test, um, you know, use get in order to succeed at it, get really good at indexing information because it's open book. So manage your time well, manage your stress well, go in confident that you're going to do well. And as you get asked a question that you don't know, just know where to find it. Because in real life, when you're out operating in the field as a black belt, if something comes up that you don't know, you phone a friend, you look it up, you do your indexing. That's real life. And I think ASQ is trying to test your ability to think on your feet and to be resourceful. Yep. 
So, and then I think one of the other parts is the level of confidence that you have now that you've achieved it is um, you're in a position to where you can transfer knowledge and skills and pour into others in a different way. And I think a lot of people who go and embark on this journey, they're doing it because they want to be a great educator or a great facilitator. They want to be a great influencer or an enabler of other people. And I think after you've passed the exam, you're in a more optimal position to do those things for for the people around you, but also for your organization. So that's one of the big values the belt brings to an organization. So I think some of the other things I remember you talking about is the value of a belt to an organization. And we said, you know, they they have outside eyes, they are facilitative and they help to build consensus and they help make things visual. And uh, there's another part because we didn't talk about the return on investment is uh, black belts are fully employed. That's their, their full-time job in an organization to do nothing but projects. And if applied in the right way, what most organizations say their return on investment is for a black belt is 14 to one of that salary returned in value. So just to make the math easy, assume your belt is making a hundred thousand dollars. Well, has that belt applies their skills internally to the organization, the organization can respect, expect a return of 1.4 million through the projects that that person's overseeing. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. I think one of the things you mentioned too, just um, around the value is helping organizations be data-driven. You know, you, you become a data nerd when you get your black belt certification. And I think helping people make decisions that are data-driven, not, you know, and it, you know, if, if organization decides to make a decision on a hunch, at least let them make their decision on a hunch being informed that it's a hunch. <laughs> And you're, you're, you're the person that says, Let, let's talk about what's driving our decisions and how do we know this decision will result in, in what we want or do we know? And I think that's another role that black belts can play for organizations that, you know, they, they might be making decisions without data and that's okay. That that's their, they can make those choices, but they, as long as they know the risks associated with it too. Yeah, there's. I think although we're nerding about the black belt, the improvement sciences are broad and a very um, fit for purpose. I think Mark Mark here, you know, um, try to assess and meet the organization where they are. And sometimes uh, the belt's primary role is to edge the organization along along in regards to how mature they are across a lot of different aspects of internal training and how many people in the organization have the basic problem-solving skills or how many people within the organization have data or what percent of the project work you're working on are aligned with strategy, what are your systems and structures and your measurement systems like and your ability to track your results or your ability to facilitate organizational learning and best practice sharing, you know, it's a journey and an organization that's just getting started, like they're not going to have a lot of internal training and certifying people internally as black belts. It's very likely that they're going to start 
with the basic lower levels of white belt, yellow belt, or rely on an external partner. And you can see like that's a continuum of one aspect of internal capabilities, right? And there's a, a belt helps facilitate an organization maturing on that one aspect, but but also along all the other aspects of decision-making or strategic alignment or culture or leadership. There's a lot that the belt helps to, to facilitate and drive forward and mature. Yeah. And, and hopefully you have a team of belts at different levels um, throughout the organization, you know, green belts, yellow belts, um, you know, basic white belt training should be part of any project you do. So you're also hopefully deploying and re-engaging this, the people you're working with to learn these tools so that you're not teaching them over and over again every time you have um, the same people potentially on teams. Uh, the LP, I don't know if you remember when it happened. I have a hard time pinpointing it, but somewhere along the journey, once we hit critical mass, it was um, a question we'd asked probably years two, three, four. And we would ask individuals to raise their hand on a project team if they had been white belt or yellow belt certified. And I remember like year two or three, we would have maybe 10 to 20% of the project team members raise their hands. And then we just kept grinding it out and transferring these skills and knowledge. And eventually it was 70 to 80% of people on these teams were yellow belts. And it was just, it seemed so much simpler (laughs) to facilitate the team because they had the terms and the understanding and they, they got it. And the projects just went, um, Oh, like off without a hitch. I just, I did. Do you, or do you remember that tipping point? I don't remember when it was, but I, I do remember it happening. And, and then I remember departments creating those as goals for everyone in their teams and asking for trainings kind of off cycle, you know, for just their departments and the excitement around it. It made working on a project, even if it's outside of your normal daily work it's an, or in addition to your daily work, because people were excited about the content, about the ideas and making a difference and being empowered and engaged, they would volunteer to do things that were extra because they were excited and we tried to make it fun and include everyone in, you know, taking their work and making it better for the customer. So I, I don't remember what the exact timing was, but it made a huge difference in energy and in skill level and we had people coming back to us all the time talking about, you know, what, how they've adapted it and done their own smaller improvement projects on their, uh, with their teams. So there's so much energy that training people and empowering them in, in this um, skill set is, you know, advantageous to the organization. Right. And I think the, the one thing that at least from Green Dot's perspective and what motivated me to go out on my own was knowing that that gets gets and creates value for the organization and its customers, but also fills that person's cup who's on that team. And I remember we started to tune into this as facilitators and we did a generic study in which we took the uh, employee engagement results or caregiver engagement results because we are in healthcare. And we compared our population of people who had been certified at any level, um, has 
one group versus the rest of the population. And we'd seen that when they were answering questions about, I have the tools I need to do my job effectively, or my ideas are acted on or valued here. I'm engaged in my work kind of thing. When we compared the people who were going through our program, not just getting training, but also getting hands-on experience leading change and impacting change, those individuals, when surveyed, were more engaged. So I think it was was something that piqued our interest and we had data to say like, hey, doing these things doesn't just drive organizational outcomes. Doing these things give people purpose. And what an awesome job to have is that our, our role was that like, yeah, we served the organization, but mostly we served the people on our teams to fill their cups and to help them have a good day. Cause sometimes in, in that sector we were working in things are chaotic and stressful and it's hard to get a win sometimes because there's so many things working against you. But when we can guarantee when they were on our teams, they were going to be respected and they were going to be poured into and that we were going to champion their ideas and get behind them. And I think that was a powerful force. And to me, that was probably the brightest part of my career was being able to do that through the projects I was leading is really pour into the people on my teams. So Tom, would you say that you did a hypothesis test and um, the results were to uh, reject the null? nerd jokes yes we did (laughs) (laughs) that (laughs) um yeah no i this is i love this conversation i could talk about this all day long Uh, i know you said you have to get your dog to the vet i we do have things going on today and i wish we can continue to nerd out but i think for the safety of everyone who listens to this episode we need to stop here because we just information out in the universe (laughs) we put a lot out there i hope that in it we lit some lit some candles and got some people you know feeling feeling the urge to you know go and embark on this like i i'm glad i did it i'm i'm not gonna put words in your mouth but are you pretty glad you did it too oh yeah this filled my cup i love talking about something that um i'm passionate about and i hope other people get excited and go for it Awesome. And if they do go for it, I uh, hope that they align themselves with a great group of people that help see them all the way through and celebrate them when they succeed. And if that person's looking for a partner, you know, we're happy to, to share our experiences, but we've also got resources on our website that we can direct individuals to and hopefully set people up to success. That, that would really be uh, a dream come true if I can do that for others is to to help support them the way that I was supported and pay it back in that way. Yeah. And as, as I know that I needed some accountability in the process. So um, if that's something we can do as Green Dot is to provide some accountability for people as they go through this process that you know, as a coach and mentor, uh, that would be that would be really, really, really cool. Awesome. Hey, thanks for coming on today and nerding out with me. I always love talking to you. Yeah, hope to be back soon. We'll see about that. We are. <laughs> we'll give it we'll give our listeners some time. <laughs> Need a break. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Tom. <laughs>